is A to Z with Mark Zinno, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, and it starts now. Good afternoon. Welcome to A to Z here on Locked On Sports Atlanta, where today I tell you the two biggest questions have already been answered. Welcome in. We are live here on this Wednesday. Appreciate you guys joining us. Give us a follow on Twitter at LockedOnETL. Of course, I'm at Mark Zinno, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O. Don't forget to subscribe to that YouTube channel for Locked On Sports Atlanta. Give a thumbs up and a like to all the content there. We are on Roku TV as well. If you have an Amazon Fire Stick or wherever you get Roku TV, download that Roku TV app. You'll see it locked on Sportsland, all the shows every single day. Uh, we got a lot to get to. Hawks start their season tonight. We'll discuss that. Some college football news and notes to get to as we're kind of like halfway through the college football season at this point in time. So uh, we'll take a look at things from a big picture perspective in the college football playoff. But first, of course, the Atlanta Falcons. Um, you know, we looked at this schedule back in April. Right. And I remember because Locked On Sports Atlanta had just launched, I think, in the beginning of April. And uh, we were, I remember looking at the schedule when it came out and talking about it. And and I remember the gloom and doom that even myself had had, like people like me had had towards the entire thing. And you go up and down the schedule in the first seven games. Oh, the Saints and then the Rams, the Fennec Super Bowl champs. Oh, the Browns are going to be really good. Of course, now you got to go to Tampa, 49ers in the NFC Championship game. you got the AFC defending champs. The first seven weeks are an absolute meat grinder. They are murder. And nobody was wrong about that. Remember the time we said, they're going, yo, if we don't win in, in Seattle, we might start out 0-7. Like 1-6 or 0-7 is a real possibility here. Remember that? Yeah, guilty. Coming into the season, what made this schedule so tough and so daunting were the two biggest things that should be the things that have anchored this team right now to a 3-3 and start. And that is, of course, the biggest question marks were the running game and the defense. I know some of you wanted to say it was Marcus Mariota and the quarterback. I know some of you wanted to say, you know, what the passing game was going to look like. Nah. It's always been the running game in the defense for this for this organization, for this team. Well, they've answered those. We know how good the running game is. But I wanted to focus today specifically on the defense. Because, and I'll say this at the outset, even if they lose this game on Sunday in Cincinnati, uh, if I would have said to you guys on August 1st, the Falcons will be three and four after their first seven games, there's not a single person who would have said, nah, I don't want it. Nope, should be better than that. That's unacceptable. Nobody would have said that. Everybody, and I mean everybody, would take it. So where they are right now is an automatic win. Because once you get through the first seven games, you got another easy six coming up with the exception of one, where it's the Chargers. They're all very winnable games going forward with either backup quarterbacks, young quarterbacks, inexperienced quarterbacks all playing those games with the exception of the Chargers and Justin Herbert. So, playoffs are a real thing. Let's just leave it at that for now. I do want to focus on the defense. Because, again, you know, guys, I don't know if you watch the Arthur Smith press conferences. I don't know if you care. I mean, I go out there every week, 
And trust me, it's not fun. Not that I'm complaining, but it's like an hour drive to Flowery Branch to spend 20 minutes talking to Arthur Smith and an hour back. It's like not even worth my time. But it is worth my time because I get to speak to the coach and I get to ask him some very specific things and understand a little bit more about his coaching philosophy and why all of a sudden this team has an identity that they've never had before. At least not since I've been here. You know, the Dan Quinn era, making the Super Bowl wasn't an identity. It was a blip on the radar in retrospect. Right? Their identity was Matt Ryan and the offense and Kyle Shanahan. That was their identity, and it worked for one year, and it was done. Steve Sarkeesian never really had it the same, and it never really looked the same. Never had the same potency. But this team hasn't had an identity since the Mike Smith days. And even at that, the early Mike Smith days, where they could run the ball and play defense with Michael Turner. So they've got an identity now. But you look at this defense, guys, and you start to understand exactly what we're looking at and why they are so much better than perceived. If you guys haven't been keeping up, the Falcons in total defense are sixth in the NFL. They allow 385 yards per game. Sixth in the NFL. That's not good. Their pass defense is second to last in the league with only the Tennessee Titans behind them, who've played one less game, by the way. They allow 281 yards through the air. Now, their run defense has been uh, average to above average, right? I think they are 12th in the NFL or 11th, allowing 104 yards per game. And even at that, if you want to look at the biggest measure, or sometimes some people think this is the best measure of how good your defense is, points per game, Falcons allow 22.5. It is 22.7, rather. It's very middle of the road. Looking at maybe 19th, 20th, somewhere in that range. Nothing special stands out about this defense. However, and Arthur Smith talked about this, they are excellent situationally get off the field late in the game on third down when they need to somehow come up with a pick when they need to. And oh, by the way, the turnover differential, the turnover margin. Yeah. The one that's really so important. Falcons are tied for fourth at plus two. And, and you have to remember that some four of those giveaways were fumbles by Marcus Mariota or three of them were. So in reality, you take away those mistakes, which are easily fixable and controllable This is a team with a net positive turnover differential. This is a defense that plays better than the numbers tell you, at least situationally. It's bend, don't break. You can give up all the yards you want between the 20s, don't break. To this point, they haven't really broken. They've only given up more than 30 once this year, and that was to the Rams. I mean, if I would have told you the Falcons would, would only give up 30 points once, In the first six games, you'd be like, okay. And look at the offenses they slowed down. Buccaneers held to 21. And I don't even care that it's Jacoby Brissett. Browns with Nick Chubb can eat up a ton of clock. And you'll never touch the ball. Held them to 20. The Niners, most creative offense in the league, 14 points. I mean, what can you say? They bend, they don't break. Now, we find out the news that... uh, the Falcons are going to end up putting, or they did end up putting Casey Hayward on IR. That's bad. 
especially going into this game. Because also when you look at this team, each week has presented a different challenge defensively for this roster. And look how it's flip-flopped back and forth, to be honest with you. You know, um, we it's it's the high-scoring Rams, you know, the Seahawks, which became pass-happy all of a sudden with Geno Smith. And then you get the run-stuffing Browns. You get the best quarterback in Tom Brady. And then you get a creative run, run team like the, the 49ers. Now you're back to a passing team like the Bengals. It's gone back and forth, and they seem to have weathered it all. Bad time to lose Casey Hayward, which Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and company coming, or at least having to face them going to Cincinnati. So that part isn't going to be fun this week. But if you had to make a bet, would the Falcons keep the Bengals under 27? I'd say, yeah. As long as they don't give up a defensive, you know, as long as the Bengals don't get a defensive turnover, a special teams turnover like that, that, that flips things around, changes the field, yeah. Feels pretty possible. So the defense, it's not sexy. It's not noteworthy. These aren't names that you're going to hear anything about. They're just good. They're just, they're just good enough. And sometimes that's enough. And by the way, congratulations to Marcus Mariota. He was named uh, NFC Offensive Player of the Week this week. First time here in Atlanta. I think fourth time overall. He did it three other times in, in Tennessee. So big win for the, for the Falcons last week against the Niners. Mariota gets a lot of credit. All right. Uh, we're going to get to college here in just a moment. College football. First word from our friends at betonline.net. Fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Guys, Hawks start their season tonight. Did you see the total in this game? Well, betonline.net will have it for you. I know what it is. Go to betonline.net, find out why. I think it's way too high. Uh, You can get news and reviews of every league. As I say, NBA is underway. We've got Major League Baseball playoffs full swing. Uh, NFL, college football, NHL, combat sports, esports, even golf. It's all right there. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information from live in-game betting. Scores and podcasts, they've got you covered. Guys, those podcasts are great. A lot of great information there. Check them out. They're not long, easy to consume, really, really smart bettors take care of stuff like that. Head to Bet Online today. Use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. Bet Online, where the game starts. Okay. We are about the halfway point through the college football season. Um, and we are looking at a situation where we have uh, nine unbeaten teams left in college football and people like me. And I love doing this because this to me is one of the more fun things about college football. Even though we have a bunch of regular season games left and a lot's going to change between now and the end of the regular season. Heck a lot's going to change between now and by the time the first college football playoff rankings come out. But I love the conversation of what if, what if, what if, how do we speculate this, this, and this to see if this could happen. Right. To me, that's just a fun game. I I genuinely enjoy it. And uh, when you think about it, there are a lot of ways that this could go upside down. Now, I've said repeatedly, I I honestly don't believe this year is the year that two SEC teams get in. Um, Mostly because there's a lot of cannibalization that will go on. Right. Um, It'll be pretty simple to say, you know, Georgia can knock out Tennessee. Right. Uh, and and to a certain extent, Alabama can knock out Old Miss and each give them a loss. And then if Georgia wins the SEC title, you know, 
you have an undefeated SEC champ, they get in. Nobody else really has a case. Why? Because either Ole Miss or Bama would at least have one loss, if not two. So it kind of takes care of itself, right? Um, with the exception of of uh, Clemson and Ohio State, you know, there's not really anybody on their schedules that could beat them. Could Penn State beat Ohio State? Sure. Could Michigan do it? Sure. Michigan and Ohio State have both got to play each other at some point. One of those teams is going to have a loss. Um, could more than one Big Ten team have a loss in the Big Ten title game? Yeah. I mean, you know, but whoever ends up coming out of the Big Ten West, East, whichever the one is the stack side with Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan State, and Michigan. Um, you know, as long as that that side doesn't have more than one loss, that winner will go to the college football playoff. Clemson could still afford a bump in the road, I think, and get in. UCLA still has to go through USC, Oregon, um, and, and a bunch of other Pac-12 teams to to get there. So they may take a loss. And TCU, undefeated as well, still has to run the table in the Big 12 to get in. Why? Because they're TCU. So there's that. There are a lot of things out there that could change. Um, and, and Seth Evans of The Athletic reminds us that in 24 seasons of the BCS and the college football playoff combined, there have never been more than three undefeated power conference teams. And that only occurred three times in 2004, 2009, and 2019. So the idea that all of a sudden you'll have more than three would be very slim. But to me, again, the exercise is fun. And that's why there's a lot of games this week that are that are super interesting. Clemson and Syracuse. Um, Syracuse is undefeated. <laughs> so is Clemson. They'll take care of that there. Uh, of course, UCLA and Oregon. Oregon has rebounded so nicely after they're beat down by Georgia in week one. But UCLA undefeated. You know, you also have uh, Utah with a loss, uh, USC with a loss. So the Pac-12, very, very interesting. What sucks about the Pac-12 is that there is – legitimately two teams that would have an argument to get to the college football playoff. And in reality, they might get none. Like that's the way it could work out that they would get none, which I think is sad because that conference probably deserves a team this year. They genuinely do. And then of course the big 12, you know, I, I think Oklahoma state still has a real good chance. TCU obviously does. Um, Texas won't get there. Kansas won't get there. And Oklahoma's certainly not going to get there. But between TCU and Oklahoma State, you can make an argument that one of them belongs there. I mean, Georgia is the only real team right now with any sort of certainty about the college football playoff because all they have to do is win out and they're in. And no one's going to question it. What's winning out against Tennessee going to look like? Who knows? Excuse me. I mean, it's, you know... it's not going to be an easy run, um, and they still have to face Kentucky as well. If Georgia gets tripped up, it's because they played a bad game. I keep telling you guys repeatedly, nobody's beating Georgia but Georgia. Nobody's going to beat Georgia but Georgia. They are in full control of everything in front of them, and I don't think that there's another team out there that can beat them. Um, but of all the undefeated teams right now, you know, I, I think you have to believe that Ohio State is probably the the strongest Overall, you know, I mean, with all due respect to Georgia, 
Uh, the Ohio State offense is better. It's more consistent at this point. Uh, and the only thing you really need to worry about with Ohio State is the back end of their defense. How how, how much is it that uh, that they could get caught napping? I suppose. I suppose they could, but you know, I don't know that there's a team in the Big Ten that really can throw enough on them to be able to prove that. You know, I think that is one of the things where when you watch Ohio State, if you watch them consistently, they're not playing any high-level passing teams because there are no high-level passing teams in the Big Ten other than Ohio State. Like, there's there's not a team that's set up to beat them. Tennessee, theoretically, obviously they could beat Alabama. They could be set up to beat Georgia because they may be able to get through that defense somehow. And if you get Georgia in a shootout game because Tennessee's pass defense is so bad, then guess what? You have a shot. And oh, by the way, folks, I keep telling people, Tennessee is going to get got. Because of that pass defense, it's going to get got. What's going to happen and how they're going to lose a game likely to a lesser opponent is simply because there's going to be a game where their offense isn't as crisp. It's not as sharp. They don't, they're not firing on all cylinders. And their pass defense is going to allow them to give up more points than ultimately they should. That's how they're going to get got because their pass defense is that bad. I, I, I cannot back that team with that pass defense. Just can't do it. All right, we have uh, Atlanta Hawks season coming up here. We'll get to that in just a moment and Shovels of Wisdom. First, I want to remind you guys that Locked On Falcons, one of the best shows on this Locked On Sports Atlanta. And we appreciate you guys making Locked On Falcons your first listen every single day during football season. Make sure you check out NFL Key Predictions every Friday on Locked On NFL. We do football Fridays here on A to Z, but make sure you add NFL Key Predictions every Friday as well. Locked On's local experts give you the inside scoop on the five biggest games of the NFL weekend, including Sunday and Monday Night Football, plus betting advice from the field's leading experts, Bet Online. Follow NFL Key Predictions every Friday, Locked On NFL, right here uh, on the Locked On Sports Network, available on Odyssey, the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. All right, uh, before we get to the Atlanta Hawks as they kick off the season tonight, uh, let's hand out a shovel of wisdom. Brace yourselves, because it's time for the Shovel of Wisdom. Yeah, you know how we do today. I said somebody's shape for saying or doing something stupid. Whack them right upside the head with a shovel. You can do so on my Twitter account, at Mark Zinno, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O. And use the hashtag Shovel of Wisdom. And today my shovel goes to Jim Ursay. Yes, I'm good old Jim Ursay. How could you forget Jim Ursay, owner of the Indianapolis Colts? Um, Ursay decided at the owners' meetings in New York uh, to break ranks. Break ranks. Uh, there had been multiple reports that nothing about Daniel Snyder was going to be brought up, that it wasn't going to be discussed during the meetings, There's, that it, there was no way it was going to, you know, and nobody would expect any conversations to be made public. Then, of course, Jim Irsay, Indianapolis Colts owner, decided to run his mouth at the owners' meeting, saying, quote, I believe there is merit to removing him as owner of the commanders, him being Daniel Snyder. There's consideration that he should be removed, close quote. Hey, hey, dummy. Um, 
you know, that's like stuff that you kind of keep in house. I know we all love the drama and I know we all love the idea that an NFL owner could get bullied out of their job because, you know, who doesn't like to see rich billionaires fall from grace? I mean, we all do. Right. Cause you know, we're like that in America. Anyway, I just thought this was a bad look. And then on top of it, you know, the other thing that happened at this owner's meeting, by the way, was a little feud between Jerry Jones and Robert Kraft with some very heated words going back and forth. Um, the NFL owners voted 31 to 1 on Tuesday to permit their compensation committee to open negotiations for a new contract, Roger Goodell. Um, but Kraft and Jones got into it. Um, Kraft joined the overwhelming majority in strong support for the measure, with Jerry Jones the lone dissenter, the one person who said no. And eventually Jones told Kraft, don't bleep with me. According to the reports, Kraft ex- replied, excuse me, don't mess with me, Jones said. That would have been fun. Watch two old guys yell at each other like that. But nothing like making the owners meetings, which is supposed to be a fairly private event, a big social mess because people want to run their mouths. Good for you guys. Glad you can do that. What do I always say about FU money, folks? Uh, no reason to have FU money if you don't tell people. FU. What it is. Okay. Atlanta Hawks uh, start their season tonight. Tonight. NBA is back. Interesting games last night, by the way, if you didn't watch them. But Hawks are going to take on the Houston Rockets at State Farm Arena. Tip-off set for 7.30 tonight. Um, and I think it's really interesting. By the way, the Hawks are a huge 10-point favorite. And the total that I mentioned earlier, 233. We're going under. Going under. It's way too high of a total this early in the season. So uh, I don't think you're going to have guys going full bore. You're not going to have – you're going to take it easy. Just I don't see it happening. Anyway. All that said, um, there are some burning questions for the Hawks. Um, and I've had this conversation with several people. And everybody says, well, Deontay Murray here is a big upgrade. You know, the Holiday Brothers, they're, they're going to help out as well. You know, DeAndre Hunter gets extended. Look, he's a good player. I believe all those things, guys. I'm not saying I don't believe them. What I'm saying is, objectively, tell me how this roster, which is nearly identical to the one last year, Okay, with the exception of two or three pieces out of 13 to 15 players. Tell me how this roster is at best or isn't at best the fifth seed in the East. You're not better than Milwaukee. You're not better than Philly. You're not better than Boston. You're not better than Miami. And oh, by the way, oh, by the way, there's an argument to be made. You're not better than Brooklyn either. And if you're not in the top four in the East, tell me how you expect to win the Eastern Conference because I just don't see it. There's too much of a juggernaut to get through. You're not going to get through two of those top four seeds. You're not going to get through Milwaukee and Boston. You're not going to get through Philly and Brooklyn. You're not going to get through Milwaukee and Brooklyn. Like you're, it's, it's, you're not good enough. Unless something dramatically changes on the defensive side of the ball, which brings us to tonight because – That is the one thing immediately you should be able to see a difference on tonight. You should be able to see this team be better on the defensive end, particularly your superstar, Trey Young. He's off ball now. Maybe can defend a little more. Let's see where this goes. I mean, you have to convince me 
and you have to show me that there's something different about this team than there was about the one last year because I don't see it yet. Deontay Murray is a really nice piece, and he's going to make a difference. He's going to make them win more games than he would make them lose. I'm not denying that. But does he get them to a 48-49 win plateau, maybe even 50, to get in the top four, top three in the East? That question remains unanswered at this point in time, but odds are it's no. Not if you're not going to play some more defense. We're going to ring this bell all year long. All year long. And at some point in time, as I said at the end of last year, at some point in time, you have to hold your superstar accountable. If he doesn't want to play defense, guess what? You're always going to be limited. If not, you better bring people in who play a lot more defense that makes up for it. Because that's the only way this is going to work. I mean, you'll find out tonight. This is not a good offensive team in Houston. Okay? They're young. Uh, they'll make mistakes. They should be able to press this team and not allow them to score in bunches. Defense is about energy. You'll see it. It doesn't always mean the final score looks great, but you'll see it. You'll see what defensive energy looks like, and the Hawks need to display it tonight. And then, you know, other than that, I'm curious to see how the chemistry with uh, Trey Young and Deontay Murray works. And how does Justin Holiday fit in? You know, what do what do the uh, – what does the rotation look like? What do the pieces look like? You know? Th- th- those are other things I think that you look at with this team to figure out who they are, how competitive they can be, and what their ceiling looks like. Now, I'll be happy to be wrong that they could finish in the top four in the East without, and I would stress without, one of those other teams having a major injury or something that changes the course of their season. And I'm not even going to bring up names of people that could get injured, but you get the point. If somebody misses significant time on Milwaukee, Boston, Philadelphia, Brooklyn, you know, Miami, and oh yeah, and don't forget about uh, Cleveland with with Donovan Mitchell now. So, you know, it's an uphill battle, man. It's an uphill battle, but it starts tonight for the Atlanta Hawks, and uh, we'll be cheering them on. All right, that'll do it for us today here. On A to Z. Again, give us a follow on Twitter at Locked On ATL. I'm at Mark Zinno, M A R K Z I N N O. We are now on Roku TV on the Amazon Fire Stick. Download Roku TV. You'll check out all the great shows here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. A to Z, Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, ATL Day One, Jarvis Davis, and Tanika East. Of course, our Braves postcast is now officially over, uh, but you still get great, great Braves content from us as well. Locked On Falcons, Locked On Hawks. Time to start checking those out as well back tomorrow for a thursday show you guys have a wonderful wednesday stay warm out there it's cold out there today atlanta don't worry we're gonna get through it have a great day don't take any crap from anybody